Hey, welcome to the Black Knight Nation podcast. I'm your host, Sal Interdonado. The Black Knight Nation podcast is brought to you by Higher Echelon. Higher Echelon is run by Joe Ross. He's a former Army fullback, former Army assistant coach, former Army officer, and he's a guest on the Black Knight Nation podcast. Check out our YouTube channel. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Give this uh, video today a like. Um, we have post-game press conferences. We have interviews with former players up there. There's a lot of stuff to enjoy. I just posted a Jimmy Charlo, captain of the Army team, quick interview, a press interview with him about leadership and the game coming up against BC uh, on Saturday at Mikey Stadium. So check it out. Check out our website, Black Knight Nation. There's a story on um, Tyrell Robinson, Army's uh, running back, maybe making a season debut on Saturday against um, Boston College. That's up on our website. Kind of a preview of the game by Seth Mendelson up there also. I'm going to write a Kanye Udo uh, Brady small story shortly and a recruiting story today. So we've got a lot of content for you, but now let's get to our guest. And we want to have this solo interview with Trent Steelman for a while now, and we really appreciate uh, one of the Army's uh, greatest quarterbacks uh, joining us today. Thanks thanks a lot, Trent, for your time. No, I appreciate that, Sal. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. I was talking to Trent before the podcast that – when we first started this podcast in 2020 of December, we had Trent briefly on on our, quote, preview show of the Army Air Force game that was played at Mikey Stadium. That was way too short. So we definitely had to get Trent back on. And Trent, I mean, I covered your your, your career at Army. Um, such a such a historic career as far as, you know, where you are in the rankings of, you know, rushing and throwing the football and that kind of stuff. Um but really, we start with like your journey to West Point, and I kind of remember it a little bit from writing. But maybe you could share that kind of how you got to West Point. Um, were you recruited um, by other schools to play quarterback, or was um, how did West Point get in the picture, so to speak? Um, so, to be honest with you, I, the the journey to West Point is is really just as unorthodox as. Uh, the journey through West Point for me. Um, I was a under-recruited uh, 5'11 quarterback that was 175, 180 pounds, was a good athlete, loved football, um, was better at baseball, um, but had always been a, a multi-sport athlete just because that was the nature of my family and, and the environment that I grew up in. I mean, we love to compete and, and we love to play sports and, and that's what we did. But football was my passion and, and it always has been and for a lot of different reasons. Uh, one, just because of the tough nature that the game brings and the physicality that the game brings. I just always drew to that and loved that in, in a weird, messed up kind of way. Um, but was again, um, a three-year starter in, in high school, played actually on the defensive side my freshman year, came from a, a really good program um, out of Kentucky, Bowling Green High School, um, and didn't really see much recruiting action. I mean, we had six, about six guys that I graduated with that went on to play major Division One football, and so I was just kind of the guy that was getting them the rock. <laughs> Um, so to speak, but again, I, I knew given the right opportunity that I brought something to the table that, that nobody else could bring. And, and that was my love and passion 
for the game and, and the toughness that, that I knew that the game required. And, and so, ironically enough, um, my dad had played at Appalachian State and played for Coach Fisher to Barry. And, you know, through that time, he was uh, just ending his uh, career at Air Force. And, and so had some interest just from an academy standpoint the beginning of my senior year, both from Army and Air Force. Uh, but I was a kid that was was not really drawn to to that environment and, and, and what that entailed. And and so kind of cold shouldered them in a little bit, um, just uh, naive as I was at that age. But looking back, uh, selfishly, just, just thought that there was something a little better for me out there. Um, but lo and behold, uh, the good Lord has a funny way of working. And I get to literally, I think it was March of my senior year, uh, and had zero offers. Hmm. And so a grad who was actually in my hometown, uh, Bowling, in Bowling Green, had sent my film up to West Point and said, hey, you really need to take a look at this guy. Uh, and probably two weeks later, I found myself through the entire application process, three weeks, uh, maybe a month's tops, uh, getting through that, learning more about the academy, what I could, but short-term vision, I saw D1 football. So I essentially had committed to Army on the spot without ever taking a step uh, taking a, a step on campus, really, I mean, just understanding it was Division One football. That was the opportunity I knew I could play at, and that was the opportunity that was there, and it was time to go take it. That, that was, in all realness, the mentality. <laughs> and so I committed to them. And the first time I had stepped foot on West Point was for the spring game. Wow. And I think April of my senior year. Um, and then three months later, I get into the prep school. I call my dad the second day I was at the prep school. And I said, Dad, I'm not doing this just to play football. I'm coming home. <laughs> and he said, son, I love you. I'll see you at Christmas and hung up the phone. And so. <laughs> Right then and there, though, he sent the message. He said, hey, you committed to this. You're going to see it through. And he knew what was best for me. So competition arrives. You know, I fight my way through uh, the prep school basic training. And at that time, Demetrius Richardson, if you remember him, was, I think, the highest star recruit um, they uh, playing quarterback that they had signed at that point um, was like a three-star guy. Loved Demetrius coming out of Cincinnati. Yeah. And so he was supposed to be the guy, you know. Uh, and then there was me. <laughs> and so get into training camp of the our prep school year and ended up beating him out and going through my prep year and had a great year set some prep school records there and then here comes the staff uh coaching staff change and so i was actually recruited by brock and his half and then obviously at the end of my prep school year that's when coach ellerson and and his staff took over and so they had 
done their homework, obviously. Um, I gotten word that there was a quarterback down there they probably needed to try to keep around and met with them. Um, but to be honest with you, there was two or three times throughout my prep school year, I, I almost called it quits and, and just wanted to go back and, and go to another school or, or do something else. But um, again, it was just the commitment to one, the, the bonds that I'd, I'd made and, and the friendships I'd built and then seeing it through. Yeah, Steve Anderson Anderson talks about the prep school, the bond that you first form in prep school, right? And the guys that you're going to go not only to, you know, on the football field, but are going to get you through those tough times at West Point and maybe even the prep school too. Who are some of those guys that you kind of created that bond with down at the prep school that you kind of came up with? I'm trying to remember who those guys were. Yeah, so a large – I mean, those were my guys, uh, a large – Part of the, the time that I spent through my four years at West Point was with those prep school guys. Um, that was Nate Combs, uh, Malcolm Brown. That was Ty Schrader and the Mackey brothers. Oh, yeah. Uh, Josh Jackson. Uh, Jackson. Um, there was Brian. There was a couple others that didn't quite make it all the way to the four years. There was Brian Rowan. Uh, but yeah, I mean, a large, a large group of those guys were uh, Will Wilson, uh, Frank Allen, oh, yeah. uh, Matt Villani. So a large part of those guys um, were significant uh, contributors, you know, throughout their their careers at West Point. So um, yeah, yeah. But those were the the main group of guys that we that stuck around from the prep school. Did, did you were, – were schools recruiting you from the prep school trying to get you – were you getting any uh, opportunities or offers when you are at prep when, when the coaching change happens or no? You know, not many because, again, just the offense that, you know, yeah. the majority of my prep school film um, came with, really the only one. Oh, we lost uh... – we lost Trent for a minute there. Hopefully we can get him back. Um, some interesting stuff with Trent about his, um, you know, getting to West Point and uh, his journey, his recruiting uh, journey, a good, really good stuff that, you know, covering Trent for four years at Army, you think you've written just about everything possible about um, about Trent. And, um, you know, this, the stories that you hear are pretty Stuff I, I had no idea. I had no, I had no idea about. So we're hoping to get Trent back on in a second. Um, I think he might have been driving, and he was. Uh, here we go. We got him back. Hey, hey, we got, we got you back here, Trent. Sorry about that. No, no worries, no worries. I was just kind of filling in, uh, filling the stuff that you were tell you, you tell us about your journey to uh, West Point, and when you were at prep school, I, I said covering you for four years. You know, I, you think I've written, I wrote everything about you, but then you hear like you, stuff that I didn't even like write. You know, so it, it, yeah, it, it, yeah, it is pretty, um, pretty. No, you're right. I mean, there's, to be honest with you, just the the in, the entirety of how it unfolded. Um, I mean, for me, it's it's none other than than God and 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 what I believe in, but just 
from an outside perspective, I mean, there was just so much that went on just to get me there. And then obviously when I was there having to work through and having to overcome and, and then obviously coming into West Point <laughs> was a whole nother animal, you know? Yeah. Um, so to, to just be able to, again, hold on to the fact that, and like a lot of these guys that they were committed. And that's what I'll say about the guys I play with, not just in my class, but you know, it was Steve's class and, and Steve Erzinger's class and, and all in between um, is you had some fighters, man. And, and you had some guys that were really committed to the cause. And while the, the record might not always have reflected the sacrifices that, that we made at the end of the day, we did feel a, a sense of victory knowing that we, we at least had laid a foundation to build off of, you know, yeah. that we were going to come out there and compete and you were going to feel our, our will to just play the game. Yeah. You know what? Um, I know we got a ton to get to, but what I, I, I realized when I did some research this morning, and like I said, you know, I think I've written everything right in, in my time on the beat. But your four years, right, each year, you beat a power five school each year of your career. And that's not something that can be said. A, first off, you, I think you're still the only guy to start all from freshman year on at West Point. I, I'm pretty sure that's still true. Um, and then to beat a power five school every year in some of those games, I mean, we're pretty – I mean, we'll talk about the Boston College game, the 2012 yeah. Boston College game in a little bit. But, I mean, that's a pretty, you know, to and to be like kind of, I don't know, be covering the team your freshman year. You, I mean, did, did you – you had to win that spot in camp, right? Or no, you weren't just – you didn't just did. walk on post and you were anointed the starting quarterback, no. right? No, not, not by any means. I mean, that's – that dynamic is just a whole nother aspect that honestly is, it's hard to be understood unless you're in that position and going through what you have to go through and be barracks and, and, and basically yeah. being told that, Hey, you're going to get every opportunity to compete for the starting spot. While nothing's going to be handed to you, you're going to get your chance to prove what you're able to do. And if you win, let's ride. If not, you're going to keep fighting to win at some point, you know, but I think just, I mean, the, the time frame, you know, from transitioning from beast barracks through training camp. And then when you get out of training camp, Oh, by the way, you're, you're the starter for game one. Hmm. Here we go. You know, I mean, yeah. you're, a, <laughs> you're, a, you're drowning. <laughs> in a sense, just trying to compartmentalize everything that is going on between the day-to-day -day grind of West Point, football, being a plebe, and, and so on and so forth. So it was, it was an interesting time. There is no question. Yeah, and it's different now, right? I mean, when you played, like you said, you were coming right out of the beast and pretty much going to um, preseason camp. I mean, now the players yeah. do have a little bit of a little bit of time in between, and they it, it's it's a lot different. And you hear the stories about the yeah. dropping the weight from the big guys, right? And just the quarterback. Yeah. I mean, you probably were throwing a little bit up at Beast, but I mean, not. I mean, they had some, <laughs> right? But not like crazy. I imagine. No, so. no. I mean, it was. 
it was it was very limited um very limited like i said your your priority was was beast and and being and indoctrinated into the culture of west point and the army and and everything that it, it grooms a leader to become um and so you mix that in with you as you understand the structure at west point being a new cadet and then a plebe and the responsibilities and and just the the day just the the daily requirements that are, are asked of you is 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 crazy in itself but then you get tagged with becoming the the first freshman starting quarterback and having to carry that and and find a fine balance it was it was different yeah. <laughs> it was different and so the the coaches has changed Rich Ellerson's first year and he decides that you're his guy. You know, that says when it, he's coming, it's his first season. It's your freshman year. Right. And you were, uh, I, I guess Chip Bowden was among the quarterbacks there that were was. competing for the job. Yeah. I was. Yeah. And then that. we had yep, Carson Williams um, was. Oh, the, wow. Yeah. Yeah. The, the there was senior, some experience. The old, head, the old vet head. Yeah. No, Carson was my guy, man. He was, and I love Chip too, but Carson just really, he was, he was a big time part of just my mentoring process. And, and he really took me under his wing and I learned a lot from that guy, man. He was awesome. Yeah. When you can go in there and I had a, like at least, um, com- I don't know if calming is the right word, but it, maybe he was a calming influence for you there. He was. You know, yeah. So you go, um, your first game in your career is at Eastern Michigan, right? It was. What what's that experience like? First snap, first play. And I remember I did, I wasn't out there covering the game at that point, but I was following the game certainly. And you guys were able to pull out a win in your your first career game. So what was that like for you? Um, to be honest with you, I mean the hype surrounding it, just the PR that it got, and then obviously that that make uh, me starting as a freshman guy was was an was enough in itself but then again for me the most calming thing and presence that kept me at home throughout my career at West Point was was always football obviously you learn to to really understand and respect the process and and appreciate the process as you go through it but make no mistake about it you're there as a football player to play the game you love, you know? And so at that point, it was fun. This is what I had signed up to do. And it was, my opportunity was was here a little quicker than what I could ever imagine, but it was up to me to go run with it. And so that's what I did. Yeah, I'm trying to, oh, I thought that, no, that wasn't, that was actually played at, at uh, Eastern Michigan. And then, um, I mean, that first year, I mean, it's a little bit, um, want to get a comment up here um i'm going to read these comments to you trent you can't see these but we have readers uh yeah. my watchers checking in here brian keogh saying 2011 northwestern 2012 boston college 2010 duke 2009 vanderbilt all wins with trent at quarterback our family loved watching him and followed his entire career at the academy so you got you got some fans listening in here today so it's pretty cool well, to i appreciate hear. that yeah pretty yeah, pretty cool no, to hear it that. is what um no no i really do appreciate all that um it's it's obviously just being removed from the game in a different capacity now it's it, it 
it's allowed you to reflect on a lot of things that the game has brought and so it's been fun. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm sure there were a lot in, in when you played, right? I mean, I'm sure there was a lot. You had a lot of fans. You had, a, I'm sure there were times where you had a lot of um. I'm trying to think of when like there, there's games, right? And at the end of the game, sometimes there's interaction with fans and the younger fans. And when you're the, a you're not you're not you're just starting quarterback, right? And you're one of the, the the leading rushers on the team too. And then your sophomore year, I want to. Is there anything else about your freshman year that before we go to sophomore year, the freshman year that was, you know, that you like to talk about or? Um, I just, the biggest thing for me was my, what I dedicated to the game just from a, a physical standpoint. Like mm. I remember the literally Eastern Michigan, the first game I'd ever played, I come out with a, a torn meniscus and a broken rib and from that point on, you know, it, every off season, you could guarantee there was a schedule surgery coming. And that was known for me, but hmm. that was one of the most learning moments from a football standpoint that made me understand the importance of weight room and putting on weight and, yeah. and what it's going to take to really excel at the next level, not on the field, but off the field. And so, I took those those bumps and those bruises, but I just remember that. I mean, I, I can recall the, the play vividly. It happened on both my torn meniscus and broken rib happened on the same play. Wow. It was crazy. Wow. Yep. But played through it. Yeah, played I mean, I, that's, that was kind of a hallmark of your, your career, so to speak, right? You didn't, to my knowledge, you didn't miss many games, right? And as much beating as you took as a quarterback in this offense because you're going to carry the ball – I think you carried the ball over 700 times in your career, you know, and um, yeah. I mean, you're going to take That's, It's crazy if you think about it a little bit. I mean, you got like, Yeah. I mean, I'm sure you played through other injuries, right? I mean, like you said, it seemed like there was a, a, a surgery schedule at the end of every season for you. I mean, just, to, but that was yeah. the tough, toughness, right? That says a lot about your toughness, no doubt. Yeah. And again, that that's just how I was raised to play the game and, what I honestly, like I kind of mentioned in a, in a weird way, enjoyed about the game because to me, it, it brought out the ones that were, were truly about it and weren't truly about it. And so that competitive nature, man, there's, there's not a lot of sports that can draw that out of somebody and, and football was it for me. So that's just kind of what I built my MO around. Were there any others kind of, other, I'm guessing there are other injuries that you played through in your um, career. That... To be honest with you, we could probably be on here for a long time. But, yeah, um, my freshman year, like I mentioned, it was uh, my broken ribs, torn meniscus. Sophomore year, it was uh, torn labrum, uh, MC joint, and turf toe. Uh or sorry, AC joint, and then junior year was the only three games that I missed was a high ankle sprain at Vanderbilt. Hmm. Um, and so I missed the following three games for that high ankle sprain and then came back probably a little earlier than I should uh, to Temple when we played in Philly my junior year and tore my meniscus then. So, wow. yeah, had surgery, uh, labrum surgery, and then both knees. So 
literally after my freshman year, won every offseason. Amazing, amazing. And I think that um, if I could recall the newspaper, my newspaper days, maybe the Man of Steel might have been a nickname for you or something like that. And that's appropriate, <laughs> appropriately, right? Yeah, I, I mean, again, it was this just kind of what I built my MO around and, and what I prided myself on. And and again, just when in my opinion, when you're the quarterback, you, you take on a lot more responsibility than just what the position is is calls for i mean it's it, it's got to be a part of your dna and there's a lot of intangibles in my opinion that go along with that and and if you can hold true to those and and bring the work ethic and obviously have some ability involved then you'll take care of what you need to no doubt i appreciate you uh, my we uh my dog is what's barking there apologize there oh um, all good so sophomore, sophomore year, right? That's a that's yep. an important part in Army history. It's the turn. It's the bring it back year. Bring back winning. Steve Anderson was a captain, co-host of this podcast. He's talked about it a lot about that season. And I mean, you guys are after your first year. Do you feel like that sophomore year you guys can really do something that hasn't happened in a while in Army? Do you get that feeling? We do because just going yeah, going back to your or my freshman year real quick. We were five and seven, if I recall correctly, and we were on the brink of a bowl game and we missed a field goal off the upright versus Tulane that would, I think, would have put us at least at 500 and a chance at a bowl game. So we knew that we had the parts to be a good football team and, and to to kind of flip the tie from five and seven and to seven and five, eight and four. And, and build off what we had set my freshman year. And that was the mentality that we headed to uh, into with with the off season. And and so um, we go into my sophomore year. Ironically, going through plea boxing is actually when I started my shoulder problems. And then it carried over um, when we played Hawaii at home is when I actually dislocated my shoulder and, and tore my labrum that year but uh sophomore year i it was it was a lot of ups and downs um but i just remember there are so many moments to where while we ended seven and five there was plenty of opportunity for us to 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 be an eight nine win football team that year but just again understanding that army could put a product on the field that was going to compete and that was going to give us a chance to win every time we took the field. I think that statement was made throughout yeah. that, that 2010 season. That Hawaii game was a three-point game. Rutgers overtime was a three-point game. Yep. You know, I think there was a Temple game that was a seven-point game. So you, you could easily probably maybe even reach double digits that year, you know. But Absolutely. Um, Steve always talks about you guys being like the the good road team that year. You know, you always, anytime you got on a plane or something, you guys went out and you you you, you took care of business and stuff. I I was um, privileged enough to watch you guys clinch the bowl berth at Kent State, and I was able to travel to that game. And that was uh, to me that as a as a beat writer who the first couple of years have been through some you know times where I'm saying okay. This year, they could finally get something done that hasn't been done since 1996, right? That was always the year mm-hmm. that I would, I would bring up ad nauseum in my writing, you know, and stuff. And now I could end that 
um, once you guys clinched that game at Kent State. Do you remember what that locker room was like afterwards when you guys were able to get that win and able to, you know, clinch that postseason berth? Yeah, I mean, there was obviously a lot of excitement. I think just a lot of relief in a sense, not only from players, but from coaches to, to feel like we have finally reached that milestone and brought in Army football back to, to relevance in a sense, you know? Um, yeah. But at the same time, that was just the mentality of that that team was we weren't satisfied, you know? We, we knew we had an opportunity to to not only flip the tie but but leave our leave our mark and and really capture what we set out to do um so it was it was such a it was such a fun time for us just just being around those guys and and understanding everything that we had sacrificed to get to that point and it and it finally paying off yeah, I mean, we talked a lot about this podcast, the the, tw- the bowl game, the Armed Forces Bowl, and just the, the, the defense and the, that senior class with Steve and uh, Josh McNary, uh, Mike Gann, and, and those guys. Um, and that bowl game, right, just to be uh, present at that bowl game. And for, you know, it's, it's a 16-14. It's a, it's a really close game going down to the wire. And just to see that pass, I always talk about that pass that you complete to David Brooks to kind of seal the victory for Army. And like Ronnie Makeda being on the sidelines pretty close to me and his excitement for you guys winning and stuff. I mean, just I, w- I could ask you probably about one some of your great memories of being an Army quarterback. And I'm sure like maybe Boston College comes into play and those wins over the power five schools. But, you know, I mean, that's got that's got to be 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 up there too, winning that bowl game. I'm, I'm imagining. It definitely is. Um, it definitely is. It's a funny thing about that play was we were we were basically running a, a counter naked off and before we go out there, Coach Ellerson is like, You're gonna run the ball here. You're gonna run the ball here. Don't throw. And then sure enough, we get off the naked and uh there had, there's a linebacker screaming downhill and here comes Brooks on the crosser and I'm like, Well, here it goes. And then that's one of those plays as a coach, you're like, no, 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 no. Yes, 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 yes. Tight, but no, it was, it was a great memory. There's no doubt. It ranks up there too. But to be honest with you, I mean, you can't exclude obviously the, the, the army Navy games. And, and that's kind of what I talked about earlier is just every year, really from my sophomore year on there, we gain momentum, you know, just getting back to being competitive with Navy. Like my sophomore year, there was one or two plays and that really could swing the tide of that game, including the the fumble at the goal line where they returned at 98 yards for a touchdown going the other way. Um, That was put us either, I think, either tying the game or or at least coming within three points to, you know, a 14-point swing. Um, yeah, it was a momentum swing, but, yeah. Yeah. And just, I mean, just crazy little things like that throughout my time there that, again, just taking that back, it, it makes you kind of wonder, like, man, like, why? You know, why could we never get to that moment to where we could beat them? But at the same time, I, I'm I'm never a man that will question. And I, I learn more from those defeats than I have the victories. and. That teaches you about life and commitment and 
really just understanding that if you leave it all out there, then you should walk away with no regrets. And to be honest with you, I don't. And so that's that's what gives me the satisfaction. Yeah, I'm sure I, I'm pretty sure in the, you know, the beginning of the Army Navy games up to this date, they probably still show like the highlight of your senior year with, you know, I don't know. I mean, is that kind of to, to, to see that, you know, like you said, I mean, you, you took that game as a like a, a maybe a part of the journey, so to speak. But I mean, I remember being on the field for that game and, and how hard you took it. But just the people that came and consulted you after the game had to mean a lot because they know they knew how much the game meant to you football, the game, and in that game specifically meant to you, right? Especially in your senior season. So that had to be, you know, I don't know if you can reflect back on that, but that had to be at least <laughs> comforting, comforting at least. It, it was, and obviously the game meant a lot to me, but the program meant a lot to me and my mm -hmm. team meant a lot to me. And I just knew – not only what I had sacrificed throughout my four times there, not only on the field, but as you know, off the field too. Um, well, obviously, we didn't even hit on freshman year, you know, having to go through that whole honor board situation mm. and, and fighting through that. I mean, there was just so many things off the field throughout my four years that, that I had to fight through and, yeah. and I had to prove myself um, in a lot of different ways. And again, to me, it always resorted back to, to what meant the most to me. And that was commitment, commitment that I was going to prove everybody that told me I couldn't get through this place wrong commitment to mm -hmm. the bonds that I made commitment to my team, to army, to West point, you know, that's at the end of the day, I wasn't willing to carry that burden and walk away from all that. And so I chose to fight through it, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, in, in that moment alone, that was, that was me, you know, that was just me being real and, and yeah. pouring out again, my, my love for, for everything involved and, and knowing that I could I'd put however many years into the game that it could all have been over, you know? Um, but again, you're right. There was a lot of comforting things knowing the amount of people that that reached out on both sides um um roger stallback you know i mean there was some crazy you know names that were watching that you know that that made you feel appreciated and respected for your efforts no matter if you came out a winner or a loser because at the end of the day all those guys on the field are winners man just because of the sacrifices that we're willing to go through to play the game well well said well said um Roger Stahlback reaching out to you after the game. Any anybody else of note that you'd like to share? Um, to be honest with you, it's just hard. There were, I mean, there were quite a few. There was a uh, a general manager at the time uh, for the Browns that hmm. had reached out, just handwritten note. Um, golly. It's, uh, hang on, I'll tell you. Not Phil Savage. It was Michael Lombardi. So he oh, okay. was, yeah, he's retired now. Um, but, yeah. he, you know, he, big time writer and podcaster and all that. But, yeah, and there was a few others too. But 
Hmm. But yeah, I mean, just just again, the the, the general appreciation is is what really comforted me during that moment. Just knowing it was it was all worth it. It, it you know. Pretty simply, you know, you were a guy who laid everything out on the line when you played, right, Trent? Like, you, you talked about the injuries that you played through and stuff and, you know, the emotion of games, too. And when you – like, I, I see that highlight reel of this week that Army has on their social media accounts of the 2012 um, Boston College game, that 34-31 yeah. Army, and you scoring a touchdown in the, in the final minute to win the game. And I guess you uh, – you know – uh, looking to the the crowd or the, at West Point and putting your arms up in, in celebration and motioning. I mean, kind of sums you up a lot in that game, right? I mean, just how you guys fought. You never gave yeah. up. I mean, what was that game you know, like? Because that seems like, I mean, just, just watching that a minute and a half or whatever it was brought back a lot of memories. So. Yeah, and that, to be honest with you, that was just our mentality offensively that year. I, I I, mean, we had some real weapons, you know, and we had Larry Dixon, Raymond Maples, Terry Baggett, Malcolm Brown, Jared Hassan, I mean, Brian Cobbs, like the list goes. I mean, we had some, some real ball carriers, and we had the guys up front that were just as, as nasty and love the game as, as much as the back end does. And so I think that combination alone, I mean, we were we were a, a very, very tough, aggressive downhill type of offense. And when you watch that, it from an offensive standpoint, it just looks like a bunch of madmen running around. But that's <laughs> that's how we played and, and that's the mentality that we brought. And and that game was it was I just remember I think we were off to a slower start. Um, and it could uh, really turn the tide for our season, winning or losing that game. And obviously nobody thought that we were going to be even close, much much alone win the game in, in the fashion that we did. But, uh, again, that's just how we felt. While our record never reflected the way I, I really believe we competed and, and should have, we always felt like we deserved to be out there. And, and that's what I respect the most about the teams that I played with. Yeah. I remember, I thought like that the 2012 season for army was going to be uh, maybe on the level of the 2010 team with the, the talent you yep. guys had back. It just didn't work out for you guys. Um, I remember being out at San Diego state to start San Diego state was a really good team there. I think Ronnie Harmon sure. was on that team. They were really good that year. And that was kind of, yeah. To I me. tell you what, that game, mm -hmm. that game was probably one. It was probably the worst game I've ever played, and two was probably the lowest I'd ever felt after a football game. I, I just remember I could not sleep. I mean, anything that could have gone wrong that game did. I mean, from traveling to playing to I mean, it was, hmm. and so I could not sleep. I remember not sleeping for a week after that game, and then we come back and we play Northern Illinois, right? Yeah, yeah. That was a great game. The, the team that went to the Orange Bowl that year, correct? Yeah, correct. They had like 11 lost points by what, One point. Lost yeah. by one point, I think, on a, a, miss, a missed extra point, a missed PAT. Yeah. But that game was – I mean, that's when um, – golly, Jordan – was it Jordan Lynch, quarterback? Oh, yeah. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, he might have been the quarterback. I was thinking Chandler Harnish, but it might. I think it was Jordan Lynch. Yeah. Wow. It was, I mean, ran wild. 
it was a crazy game. I mean, there were so many games that year, Boston College, Northern Illinois. Um, the Wake Forest I mean, game, 37 you're right in that. Yeah, I Wake mean. Forest game. That's So that's when that, – now, funny story about Wake Forest game. So it was late in the fourth quarter, and we're driving. I think we're in our – or in their territory across midfield, and I dislocate my ribs on a quarterback follow. Hmm. and start puking all over the ball. <laughs> and literally, the, the Ellerson's, I mean, he's looking at, screaming at me to get out, and Coach Shields says over the headset, he's like, if you don't get Stillman out, he's going to kill himself, and so I wouldn't go out. And hmm. so we go, I think we it's fourth and one, and we go for it on a quarterback sneak. Sure enough, we well, we get it, and then sure enough, I fall on the football, and I just remember, I mean, I started throwing up all over the football i mean it was in, wow. and then angel uh, i think angel santiago came in um but yeah that game was again another competitive wild game yeah like you say just circumstances uh, what happened with the travel to san diego state if you don't mind sharing Did, were you guys delayed or something like that oh or? it was no it, it was just i think the yeah the the proximity or the time in which we left and then i think we left we treated it, I think we left on a Thursday, maybe even a Friday, you know, to make a a one-way trip all the way out to the West Coast. And so hmm. I think just the turnaround and the time change, it just had us all whacked yeah. out. But uh but yeah, it was it was it was not a, a fun day. I forget how like the, the two games we talked about, I forget I'm looking through the, the that schedule that year. It's an eight point game at Ball State. Against Ball State, ten point game against Eastern yeah. Michigan. I mean, you got. I mean, these games are like yep. that Temple game was crazy. Oh, yeah, I forgot about Eastern Michigan. Crazy. Yep. I mean that yep. whole that whole year was like the margin each game winning and losing was like seven points on average. I mean, it was it could have gone either way that year, and it's it's crazy. You did get a commander in chief win, but against Air Force, that was that was a that was kind of a feather in the cap, right? That's something that's a good memory. That's a great memory. That was a great day. That was a really good day. We uh, yeah, we came out on fire that day, and that was just one of those days. It honestly didn't matter who we were playing; we weren't losing. <laughs> yeah, I remember Nate Combs having a pretty good game in that game. He was all yeah. over the field in that game. Oh, Nate. Old he was Pino, possessed. Yeah, he went crazy. I mean, that that guy was an absolute animal. You want to talk about some toughness now, man. That he went through so much throughout his four years and and every chance he got when his body had allowed him to, he would dominate. He would dominate. And Nate Nate's a Kentucky boy too. He played up at uh St. Xavier, St. X up in Louisville. Hmm. And did, did you play him in you didn't play him in high school, did you? We played, we played him once, but I actually, oh. I, it was my sophomore year. I broke my collarbone, and so I was, I was out that game. But yeah, we played him one time. He was my, he was one of my favorite guys to watch play in my years <laughs> of covering Army football. Period, and just one of my favorite guys to talk to. I mean, just a, a really good Man. dude. Like you said, that how how much he went through just to play, you know, to get back on the field and. Wow. Shout out. Definitely a shout out to Nate Combs. It's great to talk like back in this era of football because, yeah, we we do talk about the 2010 team a lot, but we really don't talk about those teams like Trent, 
Larry Dixon, in my opinion, was one of the best athletes I ever seen play at West Point. Absolutely. With respect. I mean, yeah. I got the privilege, obviously, to coach with Coach Shields, who was my offensive coordinator and quarterback coach while I was at Army. Shout out, Coach Shields. But he talked about recruit, recruiting Larry Dixon and how Larry Dixon averaged, like, I think 20-something points in basketball, was yeah. like a heavily recruited point guard or something. And Larry was five seven on a good day, 235 pounds of just a ball of muscle. He was a freak. He was a freak, an absolute freak. Yeah, I mean, and I, then you I, had Larry, or you had, you had Ray Raymond Maples, who was two hundred and fifteen, two hundred and twenty pounds at a slot back. Terry Baggett, who was two hundred and twenty pounds at a slot. I mean, Malcolm, who was two hundred pounds hmm. and could run and catch. I mean, we had some dudes, you know. Yeah, I mean, two things I remember. One thing I remember about Larry Dixon is maybe one of the first practices that I ever saw him. Uh, he hurdled Josh Jackson in in a, in, a, in a drill, like hurdled him. Like Josh Jackson was yeah. almost standing straight up, and he hurdled him. I'm like, I've never. This oh. is guy's gonna be something else. And then um, I, I always talk. I always talk Terry Baggett. He was a good basketball player too. Not maybe a scorer that Larry was in high school, but he would guard. He guarded Anthony Davis in high school. Larry uh, Terry Baggett. He played against Anthony That's Davis great. in high school. So it's like those those stories always good. We um. I know we're, we're running long here. I want to get to your um your real quick, not real quick, but about your time after West Point, after you graduate. You know, you serve in yeah. the army and an opportunity with the Ravens. Uh, Team USA is before the Ravens, right? Or no? Yeah, it's before the Ravens. You got a chance to play for Team USA. Uh, you transition from quarterback to wide receiver, really, for your to try to make it in the pros, right? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I mean that. That whole after West Point is probably a whole, a whole story in itself, a whole hour in itself. But part two, yeah, probably so get the opportunity, yeah, play to play in the East West Shine game. Um, obviously, knew there wasn't much need if I was ever gonna have a chance to play at the next level, which that was as was my day one goal as a kid playing the game. I think any kid who sets out to play the game and gets the opportunity to continue to play the game has the operations to play in the NFL. And so um, I knew there probably wasn't going to be much of a need for a triple option quarterback at the NFL level. So I decided to try to make the transition, play wide receiver, um, more slot oriented. And that's what I did at the East West Shrine game. Um, had a really good week of practice. Um, and that's really when the, the draft hype, I guess, quote unquote, started, started to really come to light so to speak and and amp up a little bit um and so get through um may to the draft and get the opportunity to sign with baltimore as a uh undrafted free agent uh <laughs> ended up going well i started my so this is another crazy story so I'm leaving from West Point to go to rookie mini camp down in Baltimore and going down there for three days, turn around and come in, coming back uh, to West Point because they were getting ready to graduate. And I was an August graduate because of my, the honor board that had happened my freshman year. Uh, and so 
I'm in the car heading, get the approval, go heading in the car to uh, Baltimore. And then I get a call from my, uh, I think it was my company commander at West Point saying that I needed to come back. Hmm. So I turn around and I come back to West Point. Obviously I have to alert Baltimore what's going on, so, so on and so forth. And we finally get it approved at midnight of that same day. And mind you, I have to start rookie minicamp the following day. So I kid you not, I still, I still love Coach Ellerson to this day. But a large part because of this, Coach Ellerson gets in the car and he drives me at midnight to Baltimore so that I can participate in rookie. I get there at like 3 or 4 a.m., get like two or three hours of sleep and then start rookie minicamp. And, and so because of like what had happened, they basically not knowing, you know, if I was going to have to go serve, which at that time it was obviously the rule for two years, um, basically said, well, we'll still bring you down, but we'll bring you down as a tryout now. Mm -hmm. I'm like, all right, that's fine. Still get an opportunity, whatever. Yeah. So get, get to Baltimore at like 3 a.m., get a couple hours of sleep and start rookie minicamp that next day go through three days leave call me back and they're like hey we still want to sign you um obviously i had the the military commitment so go serve my uh my two years at uh hunter army airfield as maintenance platoon leader and then get a call randomly really one day um asking if i still wanted to pursue football and so I got that opportunity um, and then picked up training. So that was in 2015. So I graduated in 2013. And then in 2015, um, again, got the opportunity to get back to playing. And so was in Savannah, started training uh, and got a chance to play for Team USA at that time. I don't even know if they still do it anymore, but basically we were playing in a round robin against other countries for a, a real gold medal. I mean, it was basically a, it was Olympic events, like the International Football Alliance, something like the AFAF yeah. or something like that. But anyways, for me, it was just a chance to one, play again, two, get some film and, and three, prove I can play the wide receiver position. And so uh, ended up winning uh, the MVP of the tournament. Um, and ironically enough, re-signed with Baltimore two days before training camp uh, began in 2015. <laughs> so get through training camp, get through some preseason, um, get cut, playing a couple leagues, uh, one of which I was playing up there in Hudson Valley hmm. for uh, over in Cali. What's the what's the minor league stadium? Oh uh, yeah, Hudson Valley Renegades. Right yeah, so we played – yes, we played in their stadium um, for basically a league that is like uh, the AAF, like all those startup leagues that are trying to basically yeah. become the, the feeder for the NFL that have failed. That's what that league was. So did that for two or three months after um, I got cut and felt like I had done what I needed to do. And also had gotten married that summer of 2015. So a mixture of the product that I felt like I had uh, 
put out enough to where if it was going to happen, it was going to happen. If it wasn't, it wasn't. Yeah. And and then obviously trying to start my life with my wife and and move on a little bit. So um, I moved back to Atlanta where she's from and got a commercial real estate job in December of 2015. Um, <laughs> was sitting in about an hour and a half of traffic every day, missing the game. And and that's when I got a call from Coach Ian Shields to start my coaching career uh, in 2016 for Jacksonville University. Yeah, yeah, with Coach reunited with Coach Shields. Real quick on your time with the Ravens, what what you will you remember the most about that as far as you you, you know, playing in those preseason games? Because you know, getting into games was a that was a big deal for mm-hmm. an Army football player to get even that far at the time, right? I mean, that was a pretty big deal for an Army football player. Um, what do you remember about that, real quick? I think the biggest thing was the satisfaction again, what I had really driven my entire career on playing the game of football was doing some doing something nobody told me I could do. Mm-hmm. And the fact that I had reached that point and really reached it twice and had the opportunity to put ink to paper on two NFL contracts. I mean, to me, I felt like I accomplished what I needed to, and I had proven what I needed to, and I was okay walking away from a from the game from a playing standpoint, understanding that I had given everything I had got. And that's what I had set out to do was to leave the game no matter where it ended with no regrets. And that's why I can sit here comfortably and, and say that and be okay yeah. with how everything has unfolded and everything is just – took place and happened the way that it has it's it's all for a purpose and for a reason but i wouldn't change a thing well said well said um now your coaching career um you know you start at jacksonville state under ian shields like you said um you're coaching quarterbacks right away or no so it was it's actually jacksonville university there my fault i apologize yeah you're good thank you thank you everybody got him confused but um No, so I started out as the wide receiver coach um, my first year. So I was coaching receivers. um, And then my second year there was still the receiver coach and then got the special teams coordinator title. And then you did that uh, for two years as a special teams coordinator. But in year three with him, I actually became the quarterbacks and B-backs and special teams coordinator. So that was an interesting year um, and learning experience. And then our fourth and final year there is when I became the offensive coordinator and quarterback coach for them. And then obviously after year four there, they they got rid of the program. And so that's how I got back to the home state of Kentucky, uh, coaching quarterbacks for Eastern for the last three years. And took an early retirement officially at the end of last season. <laughs> yeah. Um, now you'll be able to watch this maybe uh, on the replay, but my daughter and I, we have like a, uh, a YouTube channel where we uh, open up packs of football cards and sports cards and stuff like that. And this yeah. guy right, right here, you might know him. It's a Parker McKinney rookie card. Um, that's a guy you, that's a guy you coached at Eastern Kentucky, right? That that's my guy. Yep. <laughs> That's my guy. So 
Yeah, we got there actually during COVID year. And um, Parker was coming off a red shirt freshman year where I played some, came in late in the season. I played some games um, and started some, but was kind of in and out due to injury or, you know, another quarterback, so on and so forth. But ended up winning the, the quarterback battle that we established from day one when we came in there. And over the past four years as a starter has rewritten the record books at Eastern Kentucky, a very proud and and uh, winning tradition pro, uh, program. And so he's actually in his sixth year right now, still at Eastern, because uh, he got an extra year because of COVID, but he's gonna be, he, he'll be a legit, um, NFL draft prospect. He'll have the chance to to hopefully fill his dream um, on Sundays. But again, the kid's got every every tangible. But what has allowed him to succeed, in my opinion, again, the most important things with the position is the intangibles: his toughness, his dedication. He's a kid that literally came in <laughs> looking like a goofball off the streets, and now he's he's an NFL prospect. So that's. No hats off other than to that man and, and the dedication and work that he put in. And I was also, while we were in Jacksonville, we had we were fortunate enough too. I coached another NFL guy, Calvin Turner, um, was probably, I kid you not, one of the most dynamic athletes I've ever been around, associated with. When he, uh, when they got rid of the program, he actually went out to Hawaii as an athlete, return specialist. I mean, set records at Hawaii, but nice. he, uh, he, yeah, he got the chance to play on some Sundays too, man. But yeah, so been around again, just fortunate enough to been around a lot of different people. It's just opened a lot of different war uh, doors that I never thought were possible. And it's all because of the opportunity of West Point gave me and football's given me and military's given me. So again, Sal, man, I, to be honest with you, I wouldn't change a thing. Yeah. I mean, I, I was just going to really talk to you briefly about, your decision to step away from football. How hard was that for mm -hmm. you? And, um, you know, I, 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 I'm guessing there's still an itch. Do you do any like personal coaching right now or no? I do. Um, I do do that. I do. I mean, football again, it's, it's a part of me. While it's, it's not who I am. It's, it's always going to be a part of me and, and, and largely a part because of the opportunities that it's given me. I mean, it's, obviously give me West Point and in that career and but it's given me my family I mean I met my wife through it you know and so uh it was tough for sure there's no question um but at the end of the day to me I've I as you can imagine I'm, I'm all in or all out and so yeah. that's what drives who I am I'm, I'm a very passionate person uh, I'm a very committed person, and so I just got to the point to where my family was was more important, and that's where I wanted to spend the time and and see what other opportunities were out there for me. So, um, but yeah, I, I train kids. I still stay involved. It that'll never go away. So, the the biggest thing that I'm loving just about being around and training kids is honestly just trying to give them a realistic perspective of what it takes and how hard it is and how it's not going to come as easy as what reality seems sometimes, you know? And so I think just having that platform in general will always 
will always give me that motivation just to, to continue to be around the game. It's awesome. It's awesome. I mean, I, I just, hey, Coach Shields is, is back at, as a head coach somewhere with Trent. You might be getting a call down the road. You never know. So, yeah. Nah, <laughs> you know, I'm enjoying it too much. I'm enjoying it too much. I can I can kind of pick and choose. And like I said, I can go out there and train a kid for an hour, get my fix, and come back home and not have to worry about a kid transferring or who we're going to pay and, and so <laughs> on and so forth. <laughs> so you, you have a couple sons, right? You think are they um, – I do. They're going to be oh, football players? Or? I'm actually coaching their flag football team right now, and I'll tell you what, Sal – it is a hundred times harder than coaching college kids. <laughs> there, I got my oldest son is six, and then I got a four-year-old son, and then I got a uh, one and a half-year-old little girl. But yeah, they're both on the flag football team, and I, I tell you what, man, the first practice we had, I, I honestly almost threw in the rag. It was, <laughs> I couldn't even, I couldn't even get them lined up. I mean, it was, it was impossible. But we're sticking with it. We're one and one right now, so we got a lot of room to build. We're good to go. <laughs> Great to hear. Number are they wearing your number eight? Or did it Absolutely. <laughs> no, now very, my wife very... was she played college basketball. So she played a she played college basketball at Georgia Southern show. She was a number two, so they gotta split the numbers. Typically Brady, my oldest, he'll take eight, and then my youngest or my middle kid, uh Camden, he'll take the number two. So that's it That's works awesome. out well. Very, very cool. And that, that, that it's great, right? When you're, you, it might have been hard lining them up at first, Trent, but when you can spend that time with your your child, and I've I done it, when you can coach your kid in a sport that you love too, and that you see that they grow to love it, and you're not really kind of forcing them to just kind of gravitate to it. Absolutely. It, 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 it's, a, it's a great feeling. And man, it's great to hear. We really appreciate your time, all your time here. There, there probably there's only been one part two of the Black Knight Nation podcast with Nate Sassaman. They could probably be a part two with Trent Stillman too down the road if 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 you'll have it because it's so much so much to to cover, so much great stories today. Thanks so much for your time. We really appreciate it, and um, uh, you're welcome anytime back on the on on the podcast if you ever want to do some analysis for us post game analysis. I want to ask you about what you think about the new Army offense and how you would fit in it. Maybe that's a that, that's a, a how you would have ran it or how you would be uh, in that in that offense. That might be in a, uh, for part two, maybe. <laughs> yeah, to be honest with you, I, I'd have to do a, a little bit more study on them. I I've seen glimpses of them. Um, I've watched them a couple times this year, um, but um, I'd have to I'd have to watch them a couple more times on offense, but. I mean, just like anything, it's going to take time. I mean, they the one thing that will not change with what they do and the mentality that they bring is, again, they're going to run the ball and they're going to run the ball with a type of will and want to that can't be matched. And so you can dice it up however you want, but at the end of the day, as long as they execute and carry that mentality, they'll be fine. Well, says Bryson Daly, their quarterback right now, reminds me a lot of Trent Steelman. So the I, I like that kid. <laughs> I like him. I do. I can. I, I see that he he's got a certain swagger about him that 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 reminds me a lot of myself. I like him. I like the way he plays. I like his edge. He seems like a a, a big tough kid. 
No doubt, no doubt. Again, Trent, really appreciate it. Thanks so much. We hope to talk to you soon and all the best with you know what you're doing right now and coaching the quarterbacks and spending time with your kids. Thanks so much, Trent. You have a good day. Appreciate it, Sal. Thank you for having me. Go Army.